an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph in the baby who is lying in the manger. Yeah! <laughs> Woohoo! Awesome! Thank you, Harper. So good. So good. So that's the story, right? That's the moment. And thanks, Matt, for the musical accompaniment. Great job. Great job. Matt, way to go. So awesome and amazing having this team helping us sing and connect with God through music tonight. Such a joy. Wow, so Harper kind of framed it for us, this, this age-old, ancient moment where Jesus shows up and God expresses his love for us. The Bible, that famous verse, right? So God so loved the world that he sent his son. He so loved you and me that he sent his son. This idea of love, it's kind of a fuzzy word because it, we kind of mess it up, right, as people. In fact, you learn that um, human love disappoints you as early as very, as soon as you can aware of anything, right? As soon as you are young enough to know what's going on, you realize people are going to disappoint me. You know, this is just going to happen, and, and you're going to kind of question, where do I find real love? In fact, at Christmas time, it's supposed to be the time where you're supposed to really feel the love, right? You're supposed to get lots of good presents, everything you want, and feel the love. But we all know that there's disappointment that happens. And even as a kid, you, you, you wish you would have got some present or there was one thing that was missing from under the tree, you know? And even if you got some presents, there's always something more, you know? You just kind of want more. And, and it may, maybe even for you, it's been even more difficult. You know, maybe as a child growing up, it wasn't this time of feeling love from others. I mean, for me, I was so fortunate. I have four younger brothers and us five boys, we were really we were like, we were kings on Christmas morning. My parents did such a great job. We would get so many presents, but also we would always wish we wanted something else. You know, there's always something that's lacking. You're always like, there's that one thing, I really want it. But I was extra lucky as a kid because if you didn't get that thing you wanted, hey, never fear. A week later, down the chimney comes another guy with a present, Belsnickel. Bell Snickle came to my house. I got a little picture of Bell Snickle, kind of what he looks like, uh, <laughs> right? He, now, Bell Snickle, he comes with uh, not a lot of candy and stuff, because you can see he's kind of a granola Santa. He's sort of like nuts and berries, you know, kind of thing. And that's what, that's what he did. He brings nuts and berries in your stocking, and he, he's a simple guy. He's very simple, so it's just one present. He just doesn't do a bunch. It's one present but it's the one. He just knows, right? Belsnickel comes and he just gives you the best thing, you know? And, and, and I love Belsnickel because I get this one present that I was longing for. Now, my wife and I, we raised four kids on our own and yeah, life got busy and I realized uh, how busy uh, Christmas holidays were and boy, Belsnickel came a couple times, but then <laughs> didn't really happen anymore after that. I think 
Bell Snickle got tired or I don't know. But anyway, uh, but I remember it. As a kid, this was this moment to get this thing that, that I wanted and, and didn't get. You know, but as, as we grow up and, and get older in life, that sense of, of missed expectations or disappointment, it gets deeper and deeper and more profound and more complex doesn't it? And then, and then sometimes we're faced with situations like a holiday like this that smacks us right in the face with this feeling of loneliness or unloved or unnoticed. And, and we can wonder, like, am I ever going to experience love or how do I experience love? Maybe you've been disappointed, let down by so many people. Maybe you've been loved in ways that didn't feel like love. Maybe it was kind of like a I'm doing this because I love you type of a love. And maybe you've even thought that God's love for you, if you hear that phrase, God loves you, Jesus loves you. It's like it's on bumper stickers. It kind of loses a little bit of its meaning. We hear it so much. And so you might think, well, maybe God's love is like that too. It's kind of like this cold, judgmental, distant, pointing the finger, doing this because I love you type of a love. Well, tonight, as we look at this theme of love, I'm excited to read a couple of verses from Isaiah. It's an old book that was written 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. And this whole month at Branches, we've been looking at Isaiah because Isaiah predicts Jesus' arrival in this prophetic way. He points to what Jesus would do and what he would, his mission was all about. And so he gives us some Easter eggs, some clues along the trail to what Jesus' coming really means. And so in Isaiah... He describes in poetic ways God's love for us. So I'm excited to just share a couple of things. And, and one of them is in Isaiah 40. The first one, Isaiah 40, he uses this analogy of a sheep and shepherds, right? Shepherds, a shepherd and sheep. And he, he paints this picture of, of God caring for us, kind of like a, a shepherd cares for sheep. And Isaiah 40, verse 11, is here's how he says it. Talking about God, he says, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. This, this caring, nurturing kind of love. And that's the first picture of the kind of love that God has for you and me. It's a caring love, a comforting kind of a love. The message paraphrase of that one verse says that he, he gathers the lambs in his arms, hugging them as he carries them. Could you imagine that? God's love hugging you. God would want to hug you and carry you and hold you. That's this picture of what God's love is like for you and for me. This comforting, caring love like a shepherd that guides sheep to the safest places. To places where they get all that they need. Where, where they're comforted, where, where they're, um, they can flourish, you know, and, and live. And that's this, this picture of how God wants to lead us and carry us. In, in fact, a shepherd that's, like, really dedicated to the sheep, that really loves the sheep, will actually, like, do stuff to make sure the sheep are safe no matter what. Like, a, real, a true shepherd would kind of give him his, his protect the sheep at all costs. And that might even mean putting himself in harm's way for the sake of the sheep. Maybe even giving his life for the sheep. You know, if he like, cares about this, these sheep so much, that that's what this like, real dedicated shepherd would do. In fact, that paints this, this picture. It points us to this next characteristic of God's love for you and me, and that is that it's sacrificial kind of a love. Because that's what God did. Jesus says, I'm the true shepherd. And Jesus is going to put himself right in the way 
of, of, of harm. He's going to take the punishment that we deserve in this sacrificial way. And, and, and Isaiah paints a picture again of what this sacrifice looks like. A little bit later in the, in the book, in chapter 53, verse 7, this is how Isaiah says it. And, and he talks about Jesus, and this is what's going to happen to Jesus. 53, verse 7, talking about Jesus, he says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep, he is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. It kind of turns the analogy on his head, doesn't he? He says, hey, we're kind of like sheep, but now Jesus says, I'm going to be a sheep for you. And Jesus is going to, going to go to this, this mission, this purpose in his life, this sacrifice for us, and, and become the, the sheep in our place. And, and it points to this this moment where Jesus is crucified on the cross and he doesn't yell out, he doesn't try and get away from his captors, he doesn't fight, he, doesn't, he, he just calmly accepts it. He says, I'm not going to fight this, this is my mission. Jesus says, this is what he came to do. In fact, Jesus will say it in John in, in a cool way. He says, this is his choice. Like, it's not this sacrifice that comes out of obligation or duty or like he's backed into a corner and so he has to do it. No, God gives sacrificially to us out of love, like out of this boundless love. And Jesus says in John 10, 18, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. That's what Jesus does. He just says, I sacrifice it voluntarily. And that's what Jesus would do. He'd come all the way down to earth for us, be born in this manger. He'd live this perfect life. And then, and then taking the punishment we deserve because our disinterest and rejection of God and, and our, the, the punishment of, of just not having anything to do with God is really kind of dying on our own, just sort of death. And, and, and Jesus is, says, I'm going to take the place of that. I'm going to take the punishment that you deserve, and I'm going to die in your place. And, and then Jesus is going to rise again. He's going to give us this promise of being with God forever, this eternal life. No, maybe you've heard stories of people that have done that, you know, sacrificed themselves like these heroic acts. And it helps us kind of like, you know, realize, okay, this is what it would be like. We don't see it a lot. Surprisingly, I read this story just a few months ago from John Muir. John Muir, this naturalist, you know, I love reading his stuff. And he's in the interiors of Alaska in his book called travels in Alaska, and it's like the very first time in the 1800s that any like foreigners have gone into these places to meet with the natives there, and, and he's with a group of missionaries, and they're talking about Jesus, and they're telling everyone about the Jesus story, and John Muir was so surprised how quickly the natives there in Alaska, the tribal people, how quickly they received this message and understood it, how quickly they were like, yeah, oh yeah, I get it, and, and the reason is, is because this was part of their culture in fact, they told a story to John, and he recounts it in his book, that these two chiefs, they were warring, and they were having these battles, and, and for a long time, several months, and they were running out of food, winter was coming, and so the two chiefs meet up, and they just say, hey, our tribes are warring with each other, and we're all going to die if we don't have peace here, so let's have peace. And then the, the one guy goes, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say, because um, you've killed 10 more people of us than we have of yours. So the one chief says, so if, if we kill 10 of yours, then we'll be even. They called it a blood account. You know, if we get this blood account settled, we'll be at peace, we'll, we'll be even. 
And, and so the, the chief says, well, I'm worth at least 10 men. I'm the chief, you know, of this tribe. I'm worth at least 10 of my men. So why don't you kill me instead? And then we can be even. And they agree. They said that makes sense to us. So that chief steps out and they just shoot him right there. And he dies. They carry him away. And peace. They said, hey, this, this guy died for these 10 people. And so we're at peace. And then when they would tell the story about Jesus dying for us, it just made total sense to them. In fact, John Muir quotes them as saying this. Just, they, they quickly just said, they're, they're like, yeah, your words are good, they said. The son of God, the chief of chiefs, the maker of all the world, must be worth more than all mankind put together. Therefore, when his blood was shed, the salvation of the world was made sure. I love that phrase. When his blood was shed, the salvation of the world was made sure. And that points to this third characteristic of God's love for us. It's an eternal love. It is a forever love. In Jeremiah, this other prophet from ancient days, God speaks through him. And these are, this is God's words to us about his love. Jeremiah 31.3, God says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. It never ends. Maybe you've been burned by fickle human love, you know? You've experienced it. The falling in and in love, out of love, not feeling like it, you know, it, it not being there when you need it the most. This, this disappointment that we experience in life. And, and here's this promise of God that he is forever. This love for you and I, it's forever. I hear a lot this month about diamonds being forever. Diamonds are forever. But God's love is eternal. It lasts for eternity. And I, I wonder, you might be thinking tonight, well, Justin, this is great, you know, God's love. What a nice little depiction. And maybe you wonder how personal you should take this love. Like, is it something you should feel tomorrow morning at Christmas or the next day or the next day or next week in your own life? Or is it kind of something you admire from a distance, from afar? Like, oh, that's cool, like, uh, like a Grand Canyon or like a rugged coastline or isn't that beautiful? Or maybe like a a grand, towering, old-growth redwood right into the sky. Like, oh, so cool. But how personal is this love? Well, tonight, I, I'm so just excited to say that, yes, this love is so personal. It's invited. It's given as a gift to you and I personally uh, by God that he welcomes us with this kind of love to himself. In fact, the writer in Galatians, later in the Bible, writing to this group of people, Paul, he, he says this in such a great way. This is what Paul says. I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are Paul's words, but they could be yours as well. This is the personal invitation to you today to see the depths of Christ's love for you, to believe the love that he has for you. You know, and to send the roots of your life deep, deep down into this bottomless love that you might be able to say, just, just along with that writer, you might be able to say, I live in this body, in this earthly body, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, at Branches, that, that is the 
vision of, of what we're all about, to help everybody connect to this Jesus, the source of life, and to be rooted in him as we reach out together. I mean, this is our, our mission, our theme, and we'd love for you to join us on this journey of faith. You know, this next week, Sunday, we meet right here every Sunday at, at the Vets Hall, and next Sunday, 10 a.m., we'll be meeting as usual the last Sunday of the year, the 31st, New Year's Eve morning, and we'll get a chance to reflect on the year, to, to think about what God is doing in our hearts together, and pray for the next year coming Ask God to lead us like that good shepherd to guide us to his good things. You know, and then the next series in January is a, is, a, is a title, Changes That Change Us. It's a look at this life of Daniel, another ancient guy, a follower of God, who made these radical changes in his life, these decisions and behaviors that changed him forever, and then they changed others around him forever. And so when we think about New Year's resolutions, like, New year, new you, you know, and we're thinking about things you might want to change. Why don't we look at the Bible together and see what God might have to say about this as we journey together in a new season? And we'd love for you to be a, a part of it. You're so welcome uh, to be a part of it with us. You know, as we say yes to God, we get to experience this love. We get to say, that, hey, Jesus, um, you, you have given this love, this gift for me. And like a present under the tree, it just sits there and it doesn't have value unless we open it, right, and receive it. And so this morning, I wanna invite us, it's a simple prayer. It's not a fancy you know, ritual or a sequence of steps to invite this love of God into your life. You can just say a simple prayer in your own words, in your own way, and, and God will meet you right there. And so I wanna invite us to do that, even for a moment right now, to take that present that Jesus has given you and open it, you know, take it and open it tonight to receive it. I wonder if there's a characteristic of God's love that resonates with you. Maybe it's that, 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 that way that God is comforting. His arms just wrap around you. You know, where in your life do you need him to, to just wrap around you? The broken, most difficult situations you might be in, God wants to bring comfort and care. Maybe it's this, this picture of, of Jesus and the fact that not only is he comforting for us, caring for us, but you know, it's this, it's this forever love, this eternal love that is sacrificial. You know that we don't deserve it, and yet He gives it anyway. And, and tonight might be the night that you might want to say, "I want to open my heart to that love." So let's do it. Would you close your eyes for a moment here across this room, and and, and in your own words and way, you can just repeat silently in your heart. But it's simple as just talking to God. You might want to say something like. Jesus, thank you for coming down to earth for me. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Jesus, I want to open my heart, my life to your love for me. Thank you for dying in my place, offering me this chance to be right with God. Lead me in your mercy and love. I want you to be my shepherd as I follow you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen.
Yeah, and if you said that prayer tonight for the first time or in a new way tonight, we'd love to hear about it. Come talk to us. Meet us in the lobby. We'd love to journey with you on your journey of faith. We have free Bibles for you. We can hand out. So if you don't have a Bible, please stop by, get one tonight before you leave. Uh, and, and just let's pray along with you as you walk with God in a new way. We would love to celebrate that. Man, you know, we've been at the Vets Hall now a year, and this is our second time doing Christmas Eve service here in the Vets Hall. And so if any place can have traditions yet, I don't know if it's us, but one of our traditions now in the second year is to light candles at the end of our service together, to, to light candles and to celebrate Jesus, the light of the world. In a dark season, just like this, right? We hit solstice a few days ago, right? The longest night of the year. Darkness is around us, and yet Jesus promises to be the light for us. And, and so as we think about Jesus, the light of the world, in fact, that's what Jesus called himself. He says, I am the light of the world. And John, and he says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And we'll have light that leads to life, and it's in Jesus. And so we're going to light these candles tonight as we sing. I'll invite the band to come on up, if you would. Our candles, we have been lighting this month, the four candles. There's the fifth one that traditionally is lit on Christmas morning or around this time. And so I'll light this candle in the middle here. And this will be our, yeah, our center candle there. Um, and if you want to get your candles out now where you, you have some candles, hopefully we passed them out and you've got some. We invite you to take them out now, and we're going to close with a couple songs, and, and we're going to consider Jesus the light in our life. Where do we need his light? Where do we need his love in our life? You know what Jesus does, though, a little bit later, is he flips that analogy again on its head, and he says this, you are the light of the world. That's what he says. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket, he says. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So we get to be the light of the world. We get to be light to those around us.